Come on, let's bring our minds together. Come on, let's let the lines of where we go to church and who our pastor is, let's let all those lines disappear right now. Let's bring our minds together all over the building. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Raise your hands. Throw your hands straight up in the air and ask the Lord to have his way in the remainder of this service. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So thankful for the presence of the Lord that's moved in here the last few moments. And I want I want us to have more than just a youth connect this week. I want us to have a spirit connect. I'm, I'm talking about way beyond just this surface stuff. I'm talking about submerging. I want us to go deep, 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 and connect with God in a very intimate way before we leave here tomorrow night. Anybody else feel that way? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, understand me when I say this. If your tooth's hurting, you go see the dentist. Your back's out of whack. You go to the chiropractor. And we are facing a lot of things in the world that we're living in and also the apostolic world. Positive things, and I'm not here by no means to be a prophet of doom, but I am a realist. And I believe we have to be real about the day and hour that we're living in. And so if there's a need, if there's a need, if there's something that needs to rise up against the winds of worldliness, and the winds of strange doctrine, I believe just like you go to the dentist with a toothache, I believe it's the will of God to go to this generation and to let this generation know where we're at and what God intends and what God has planned and what the adversary is about doing. I believe that this generation needs knowledge, understanding. We can talk about this amongst ourselves. But the only way we're going to remedy all of the shaking and moving and the stirring is if this generation, 
gets it right. I said the only way, the only way that we're going to get aligned with what God, with the conduit in which God is going to pour this last day revival down and through, the only way we're going to hook up to that conduit is if some way we can get this generation engaged with understanding. I'm not talking about just emotionalism. I'm not just going through the, talking about going through the motions of what Pentecost is. I'm talking about really understanding the reality of what we're at and what the devil's after and what God wants to do. Hallelujah. So I want God to stir this group tonight. You say, Brother Marks, this is just a small crowd compared to all the things we're dealing with. I want you to understand a crowd just like this. Really get a hold of something in this meeting tonight, and we can begin to turn the tides. We can begin to erect some walls to withstand the winds of strange doctrine that are eating and eroding at the foundation of the apostolic church. Come on. How many is interested in being all the way apostolic? I want to be apostolic all the way to the core. I don't want to look apost just look apostolic on the outside. I want you to be able to cut me open and all the way to the middle of my being. I want to bleed apostolic. And while I am very interested in the furtherance of this gospel, and while I strongly believe in the furtherance of revival in the earth, I do want you to hear me clearly, and this ought to be the desire of us all. I am very interested in the preservation. Everybody's talking about furtherance. Everybody's talking about the cutting edge, and I, and I don't have a problem with the cutting edge. I don't have a I don't have a problem with going forward. I I, I believe we're going to see more signs and wonders in the last days. I believe we have enough Bible to stand on that to believe that. But I want you to hear me. I also believe that this generation has got to get your hands on some things that are important. You've got to get a hold of them. It's got to be more than in your head. You've got to get it in your heart. You've got to get a hold of this thing. What good have we done if we take the church forward and it's not the same church that was born in the book of Acts? I know I hadn't read a text and I know you're standing, but I want to ask you young people, what have we done when we built bigger buildings and we have nicer sanctuaries and our choirs have robes and our, and our crowds are bigger? What have we done if we perfected all of those things and haven't preserved the truth and the Word of God? We've done nothing. And so, I say all that to preface that this may not be your normal opening night of a youth conference. But I'm just going to preach my heart. 
And if I get in trouble, I'm getting pretty used to being in trouble. It's not any fun if you're not in trouble anyway. But I'd rather be in trouble with men than in trouble with God. So we're going to try to do God's will. Second Samuel chapter 1, very quickly. Thank you for the invitation. It is an honor to be here. I see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd. I see a lot of faces I don't know. And um, good to see you. And I trust, I trust that everything, everything in your life is blessed of God. Second Samuel, give honor to all of these ministering brethren, pastors, evangelists. I love these men. And um, California's been very good to me. And I thank God for that. And, and it's been very good to me because of some of these very men and their wives and families that sit on this platform. And um, I appreciate you very much, and I mean that. Second Samuel chapter number 1. And let's read verse number 25. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. Now notice verse 27. How was the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? Now, if you'll notice in verse number 25, the phrase is, How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Exclamation mark. Verse number 27 says, How are the mighty fallen, comma, and the weapons of war perished? Exclamation mark. But if you would allow me, I want to just change the punctuation a little bit for the sake of a title. And I want to preach how are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? Question mark. Question mark. The writer here with great emphasis is exclaiming how the mighty have fallen in battle. But I believe the real question tonight, how are the mighty really fallen in battle? How? And I'm going to give you the answer before I even start preaching. You ready? I'll tell you how the mighty are fallen in battle. Ready? Little here. Little there. Little here. Little there. Miss service over here. Little rebellion over there. Skirt a little shorter over here. Hair down on the ears when pastor preaches it off the ears over here. 
Now, it's, I don't think there's any visitors. It's pretty much apostolic, so we're just going to be real here tonight. A little here, a little over there, a little here. The mighty don't fall overnight. The mighty don't fall overnight. Young people are not destroyed overnight. Rebellion doesn't slip into a youth group and wreck it overnight. Fathers don't fail at being fathers overnight. Churches don't crack and fall apart and go charismatic overnight. It's a slow fade. A little here, a little there, a little here, and a little there. And I feel some of you probably in the last 12 months, if you've been to any meetings, or if you've really been listening to your pastor, maybe, maybe in your spirit you're wondering why. Why? Why are the lines? Why is it so important that the lines are being preached about so much in the last year? Why? Why is pastor being emphatic? Why can I not? Here we go again. Some of you are already feeling Here we go again. Every conference we go to lately, they're bringing this up. It's because, folks, there is a digression in the apostolic movement. I'm not here to be negative. But there is an attack against the core values of who we are and what we believe. And somebody's got to wake up from the bed, from the bed of slumber and realize this thing doesn't go charismatic overnight. It's a little here and a little there and a little here. And we're blessed for the most part. From what I see, it looks good in here tonight. But I want to tell this group something. And I'm not saying this to criticize. There are areas in the country right now, in this nation, where you can't even recognize. I'm not interested in that. So we're going to talk about it tonight. And I hope, I hope the Holy Ghost will smote every young person, every preacher, every saint of God. I want him to shake us. Because I, I, I don't care who's, and I don't mean this disrespectful, I, I don't care whose church you go to. I don't care who your pastor is. Your pastor can be strong. Do you hear me? Your pastor can be conservative. Your pastor can be Larry Booker, and I don't say that disrespectful. And I know what LLB believes. I understand that. But I want you to sit in Larry Booker's church. You can sit in Brother Clark's church. You can sit in Steve Buxton's church. You can sit in Brother Smith's church and split hell wide open. And I'm not interested in this thing getting to where it's at right now. I believe God wants to take us higher. I believe God wants to take us deeper. I believe God wants to give us more. But in, but in desiring, come on, are there any young people that feel this way? In desiring Him to give us more, I don't want to lose what He's given us already. Clap your hands one more time before you're seated. Lift your voice. Come on, somebody lift your voice. 
Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I feel like that I can speak for everybody that's in this place tonight that I am so thankful for the mighty, the mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this place tonight. I'm thankful for that. I, I am thankful. I am thankful for elders. I, I am very thankful for my heritage. I am very thankful for the last 29 years that I've been privileged to live in and around the apostolic church. I am so very thankful that at a very early age that I was exposed to aisle running. I said I'm glad that at a very young age that I was exposed to aisle running. I am very thankful tonight. When I get through, you're going to know how thankful I am. I said I am very thankful tonight that it was a common thing to see people when the presence of God began to move, to see people began to dance in the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for that. I am thankful for the, for the memories that are forever pressed and seared into my mind and spirit of services where we lingered. I'm telling you something there is, there is something about lingering in the presence of God. I wouldn't trade anything for the exposure to being in the presence of God and lingering and soaking and saturating. I can take you in my mind back to places. I can tell you dates. I can tell you times. I can tell you who was preaching. I can tell you what they were preaching. I'm thankful for every youth service that I was privileged to attend. Every youth camp. Every youth conference. It was impacting. I'm thankful at those youth conferences that they were running aisles and clapping hands. And there were people jumping up and down and dancing in the spirit. Come on, is there anybody thankful for your apostolic heritage? You can take a lot of things away from me, but you can't take away those things. You cannot take away those memories. You cannot take away the Friday nights of district camp meetings when I can remember being one of the last ones to leave the altar. I thank God. I thank God that He allowed me to be born in an apostolic home with parents that were God-fearing and faithful that love their pastor. I got four or five young people on their feet. I'm a little concerned right now. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that at a very early age that there were some things that I learned 
that were acceptable to God. And there were some things that I very quickly learned were unacceptable to God. I'm not ashamed to tell you, and I tell you very proudly, I am thankful that I was not raised in a home with a television. I tell my work's cut out for me here tonight. I said I'm proud of that. I'm not embarrassed about that. I don't care if you think that's outdated. I am very thankful, very, very thankful that my parents did not expose me as a young person to the evils of Hollywood. I'm thankful that I didn't have parents that prodded and pushed me in the ways of sports. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm thankful that I didn't have parents and I didn't have a pastor that let me sell my soul to the sports world. I'm thankful that I was raised in a church where the women look like women and the men look like men and it didn't look like a bunch of harlots and prostitutes. I'm thankful for that. I'm not here to ruffle anybody's feathers or to cross lines of theology with anybody. You say, Brother Mark, some of these things you're proud of, I want verse in Scripture. I'm telling you right now, I'm thankful that I was raised in a church where men were not allowed to have facial hair. Come on, you just as well to get over your nervousness. We're going to go ahead and deal with it tonight. I'm thankful for that. You say, well, I don't, I want some verse in Scripture. Well, I don't know that I can give you any verse in Scripture, but the Bible says obey those that have the rule over you. Hello? I'm thankful that I was raised up in a church that if your sleeve links weren't right and your split wasn't sewed up and your skirt link wasn't right that you didn't sing in the choir and you didn't participate in youth events. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I had youth leaders in my life that stayed on the cutting edge with technology. I'm thankful that they didn't give us a minute's, a minute's space. I'm thankful they didn't let us, I'm thankful they didn't let us fudge on little, any little thing. I'm thankful for leaders that held us for the things that are important. The church I was raised in, there wasn't anything wrong with saying sinner. I'm thankful that the church.
church I was raised in. Just bear with me. I'm thankful that the church that I was raised around, that the preacher, that the preacher wasn't intimidated to scream and holler. I'm thankful that the preacher wasn't afraid to get emotional. I'm, I'm thankful that I had a man of God that wasn't worried about conforming to religious ideologies. Well, you can't say this and you can't say that and you can't say that. I'm going to tell you something. I love every homosexual, but there better always be place in the apostolic church to preach against the sin of homosexuality. It is an abomination to God. I'm thankful I am so thankful that the church that I went to that there was still prayer rooms and the prayer rooms hadn't been turned into recreation rooms are you hearing me right now I'm thankful that the church I was raised in there was 30 minutes before church pre-service prayer and if you participated in that service you were required to be in the prayer room I'm thankful for that I can tell you without hesitation that it did. It, those things did not keep me from struggling altogether. Those things didn't keep temptation from coming because temptation came. The winds of worldliness at times and seasons would blow in that church and it would try to blow in my mind. But I am thankful it was an apostolic church that me. It was a true apostolic church that gave me the spirit and the will to resist that temptation. But while I'm thankful for those things, I want to make sure That my four-year-old as mighty as all of those things are the prayer room the lingering altar services for an hour and a half people running the aisles separation holiness without apology Acts 2.38 one God one Lord one faith one baptism as mighty as those things were in my life and in my time I'm going to tell you something there is a driving, there is a driving desire that keeps me up at night. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think about it. Because now I've got a four-year-old and a three-year-old and a year-and-a-half-year-old of mine. And I'm going to tell you something. If this generation doesn't get a little love for this truth, if this doesn't become your love and your first love ten years from now, we're not even going to recognize the apostolic church let's go let's go let's go let's go let's go and there's something screaming inside of me that says wait before we go 
Let's make sure we still possess everything that he's entrusted us with. I'm interested. I'm not just thankful that the church that I was raised in was mighty. I'm interested in the church I'm preaching in in 20 years if God tarries. I'm interested in it still being mighty. I don't have any gray hair. I'm just a young man, still very wet behind the ears. But if I ever pastor, and I don't think I will, but if I ever do, I hope to God. I hope to God if it's five, ten years down the road that the church I pastor still looks like the church I was raised in. Well, Brother Mark's times have changed. The message hasn't. We're in a different day. The message is still the same. So, I started searching. The winds are blowing against the foundations that were established by the prophets and the apostles. The winds are blowing. Winds of strange doctrine, winds of worldliness. Winds of perversion, winds of pornography, winds of Hollywood. Winds of fashions, winds of fads, winds of being relative. You just well to nod if you're going to just nod. That'll help me. Winds of being relative, winds of fitting in, winds of peer pressure, winds of keeping up with the Joneses, winds of competition. Winds of making sure that the church across town is not bigger than ours. At whatever it costs. And they're blowing. And I'm watching as a young man. I travel a lot. I'm watching a young, as a young man. I'm watching those winds as they're beginning to erode the very foundation that was laid by the apostles and prophets. I'm watching these winds. I'm watching these winds eat up the very things that I have just preached previously that I'm thankful for. Watching. I'm watching these winds. Here again, I don't, I don't want you to leave here feeling negative. It's, it's going to be positive before we finish, but you just, just, just young people, just, just hook on and ride with me here for a few minutes. And it's, it's blowing. It's blowing. It's blowing. It's blowing. So I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not interested in me on, and I'm sure this is your prayer. I'm not interested in just being some, some, some rising star that just is a falling, eventually a falling star. I, I'm not interested in going so high and just self-destructing. I, I want to be saved. And, 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 and I want to be able to say that, that I have kept those things faithfully that God has entrusted me with. 
But, but I look at so many great men and great churches and, and even men that I revered. Even men that, if you were to look closely under a microscope, you would see their fingerprints on my life. And, and there, would a, there was a day that they were mighty. But I've watched the winds of pressure and the winds of financial stress. I've watched it eat away at the foundation. And I've watched spiritual erosion set in until those mighty men have fallen. How? It's a little here and a little there. And so I grabbed that book and I started looking at, looking at lives. Now listen, looking at lives, mighty men. Mighty men, mighty ministries that didn't make it. And how did it happen? Where did it start? How did it end? And everyone, without doubt, every one of them, it was a process. It was a process. It was a slow fade. You can't think about mighty men without thinking about mighty young Solomon. So, the conclusion of Solomon's life is the shame that he's brought on his dad and everything that he's tore up that his dad worked so hard to establish the idolatry that he eventually plunges into the blatant disobedience how can a man go from, from initially desiring wisdom to in the end plunging to the depths of idolatry and clinging to everything that his father Hate it. How does a man stand shoulders, head and shoulders above everybody else with such a humble spirit? And Brother Clark, before it's over, they drag his body into pieces, in pieces, charred and burned through the streets in mockery. How? How have the mighty fallen? Show me something, God, with Solomon. I've run this by elders. I've had them check me. And what I'm fixing to tell you, I'm going to tell you with great conviction. And I want you to hear me all the way out. Every young person and adult that's in this house, hear me all the way out. I started trying to find, I started trying to find where Solomon started going wrong. Where were the first few little things that he did that eventually caused the whole foundation that his daddy had laid for him to erode? The first thing that I found is immediately he's trying to build a house. He's trying to erect a wall. He's trying to build the house of God. But in the midst of all of it, he makes an affinity with the king of Egypt and he takes his daughter into his house. Now here's the part I've run by elders. Listen to me. Because this is the spirit we're dealing with in the apostolic movement. You go back and read your Bible. You read Exodus 34. You read Deuteronomy chapter 7. And you will find that when God warned them against foreign nations, why? I don't know. But he never mentions in these scriptures about marrying an Egyptian. That's usually the response I get.
Why? That doesn't make any sense to you. It shouldn't make any sense to you. We all know what Egypt is. We know what Egypt's about. We understand Egypt's ideas. Their practices. We understand there's nothing good about Egypt. It's not in there. He tells them not to marry ites. And it's all those ites. He lists all those ites. He never says Egyptians. So chapter number 4, 1 Kings. You know what Solomon does? He He goes and finds him something that is not necessarily against the letter of the law. That's the wind that's blowing at the foundation and is attacking this generation. Well, you don't have verse in Scripture for that. Show me where God said don't marry an Egyptian. And so Solomon begins to indulge in things that are not against the letter of the law, but bless God, they're against the spirit of the law. And so, in chapter number 4, when you become comfortable trespassing against things, against the spirit of the law, all it takes is seven chapters, and you'll trespass against the letter of the law. Because seven chapters later, he starts bringing in the ites. So it all starts... When you begin to question things as to, well, that's not. Does this make sense? Not if it does. Well, and, and, and here's, here's, and I'm just going, am I, am I okay? Let's just dive out into this. Here's some of the stuff I've been dealing with with contemporaries. Preachers that supposedly believe the same, believe the same message I believe. Here's some of the things that, that, that I'm getting fed that's hit me in the face. Well, what's wrong with going? So you show me scripture. Where I want verse in scripture. What's wrong with going to a ball game? I mean, I've had them give me all that garbage. What about the games that Paul is referencing in his letters? Well, I didn't think this group would be as nervous as you are. Well, Paul, Paul used the games as examples in some of the letters that he wrote. I mean, it's harmless. It's a game. It's just a game. I want, I want the letter. Show me in the letter where there's law against this. Well, I may not be able to show you a letter, a law within the letter against it, but I can promise you, I can preach all day long to you that it's against the spirit of the law. Slinging beer on one another and cussing and screaming and fighting and punching and And on top of that, maybe I do have the letter of the law. It just hit me. He said, keep the Sabbath day holy. 
And you know when the gods of this world do their thing, they do it on Sunday. That's enough letter in the law right there. That's, right, that's enough right there for me to stand and say, we're not going that direction. And so, okay, California, here you come. And I'm fixing to make some of you nervous here because some of you are doing this and you think you're slick. So you say, well, I'm not cutting my hair. Young people, you're going to you're gonna have to get up early to get ahead of me. I'm just going to tell you, and I look at it and it's straight across. And you're telling me you ain't cut your hair. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, brother... Some of them, I finally realized, was being honest, and so I had to pray about it. And God revealed to me what they're doing. They're not cutting it, they're pulling it out. And I started asking around, and sure enough, it's something that's spreading through California. Girls, the girls want to cut their hair so bad, they'll pull it out to make it look straight across the bottom. Thank you, I got a that's true somewhere. Brother Marks, the letter of the law says, shorn. The letter of the law says, it doesn't say nothing about pulling your hair out or burning your hair out. Okay, Solomon. Okay, Solomon. It's the classic line. I just can't. I don't have enough scripture. I've had them tell me this. I've had them tell me this by the droves. I just don't have enough scripture to preach that anymore. What's wrong with preaching stuff just because it's against the spirit of the law? And when apostolics begin to partake against things... Oh, I, I, I seen, I've already watched it in one state. I already watched it. I've lived long enough already in a short life, but I already lived long enough to watch this. It's only Andy Griffith and leave it to Beaver. Surely God don't have a problem with leave it to Beaver and Barney Fife. Oh, there's some nervous folks in here tonight. I had, him bring, I had a pastor bring me in his house one night. And, and it's caused problems. And, 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 the, and our relationship is totally changed. And, 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 and there's, it's uncomfortable, right? It's just okay for the first night. But they, they sit down after we eat. And, and he plugs in. So I said, what are we watching? We're fixing to watch preaching. I really don't watch preaching. We just had church for four hours. Can't we just talk? Oh, no, we're not going to watch preaching. I said, what are we going to watch? He said, well, it's I Love Lucy. Well, I didn't know we watched I Love Lucy. He said, well, what's wrong with I Love Lucy? I said, well, I can't tell you necessarily what's wrong with I Love Lucy. But it's a little here and a little there and a little over here. How have the mighty fallen? It wasn't overnight. It was a slow thing.
I mean, come on. I may get ground up to, to little pieces when I get through here tonight and rebuke, and that's fine. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe that anybody is going to go to hell over a leave it to beaver. Or the little rascals. But you're, you're not understanding what I'm saying. It's not the point of whether leave it to beaver or little rascals is acceptable. And there may not be anything in the letter of the law against leave it to beaver or the little rascals. But when we begin to partake of those things, how long is it before we start moving? It's seven chapters later and we start moving things in that are against the letter of the law. Well, I'm getting me all... Mimi, if nobody else loves me when I get through tonight, you're going to love me, right? You're going to love me. Okay. It, Papa, if I don't have anywhere else to preach when I get through tonight, I can preach at Hilltop, right? Okay. Thank you. So, how long can you watch movie clips on the Internet? me now that call me old-fashioned call me whatever i'm here trying to help god preserve the mighty i'm not interested in just being mighty in the 90s i want it to be i want it to be mighty in the 21st century if god tarries i want it to be mighty in 2050 church was mighty in the 70s and I thank God it was mighty but I want it to be mighty in the 2020s and it can't stay mighty if we don't stay on our toes and refuse to compromise the spirit of the law Okay, I'm going to make myself vulnerable here to try to help you swallow the pill. Three months ago, I had my phone. I was checking some news. Reading news. And I'm a little different than reading the news on your phone than reading the paper. Now, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm fixing to really rub some people raw right here, okay? Now, if you're in the hospital and there's a news flash on, I'm not condemning anybody to hell and look up, looking up that TV and, and seeing there's, there's an earthquake somewhere. It's a 911. I'm not condemning anybody for that. But I consciously pushed on an eight minute clip. It's just news. And the Lord spoke to me. He smote me and he said, don't you ever stand in the pulpit and preach against television again. Well, you're nitpicking. No. Please look past the zeal of my youth and understand my heart. Was that clip going to send me to hell? No. 
But am I so spiritual I can control that? So the internet, the internet, here's what the devil's done. We wouldn't take the whole loaf of bread because it was spoiled. And the devil says, okay, fine. I'm going to pick it apart into little pieces. And I'm going to scatter it in your computer. Because all it takes is a little leaven. Just a little. Just a little. Oh, Brother Marks, it's just, it's, you know, it's just, Just a little die. Church I was raised in, you the women didn't wear stuff on their face. And you think the devil's gonna come in with full blown lipstick and eyeshadow and mascara? I love you, Joel. You think he's gonna do that? Young people, come on. You think that's what he's going to do? No, it's going to start with powders and bases that don't change the color of your face. And I'm watching people used to have shamefacedness. That I look to it, I love it. There's something on their face. And, and the devil's even made it so easy that if you want to do it bad enough, the doctor will prescribe it and say it's medical. So, where does Leave It the Beaver go? Where does Live Love Lucy go? Where's a little hair dye? Where's that skirt that's borderline? Where's it go? Why do we why do we have to try and find where the edge is at? That was the spirit of Solomon. He wanted to see how much he could get by with and still be okay. I'll tell you where the I Love Lucy went. Eighteen months later they were watching R rated movies. I'll tell you where the powder's gone. It's gone to full-blown makeup. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where the skirts. It used to be. Well, I mean, I, you have your own standards in your own church, but usually the, 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 the pretty safe line across, across the board in, in churches that were at least trying to be conservative was that the skirt was supposed to cover your knees setting down. That was pretty, usually a pretty basic standard. Setting down. But we let it go so long that it was okay standing up, but they played tug of war with it the whole service trying to keep it down below their knees. And we've let that go on so long until I can walk in.
till I can walk into a function and I tell you the truth without a bit of exaggeration and I can walk into a major function and this state and walk through the foyer and I had trouble finding one young lady whose skirt was below her knee standing up. You know what we have to do for this thing to totally fall apart? Just not say anything. Just don't say anything. Just quit preaching it. You think these churches that are going charismatic and throwing everything we cherish away and they don't look apostolic anymore? You think they got up one Sunday and said, okay, this here is not important anymore and we're not going to do this and it's okay to go there and you can do That's not what they did. It was a slow fade and it was a process of just not saying anything anymore. that violate the spirit of the law without eventually trespassing the things that violate the law itself. And the Bible clearly states that the reason that Solomon fell, how have the mighty fallen? I've got the answer for you. It's stated clearly. He followed not fully after God as his father, David. Why are you preaching like I'm preaching? Why are you preaching like you're preaching right now? Because it's the need of the hour. But also, there's a dead pastor of mine that's been in the ground almost ten years now. And I'm trying my best to preach and live fully what he preached and lived and taught me. could go on, but I've, I've already gone too long, but what do, what do we do? Elders, what do, what do we do to stop the mighty from falling? I was riding on a plane. Someone had left an agricultural magazine in the back flap, and I picked it up and began to read it. Listen to me, I'm done. He started talking about the dangers of wind erosion in the natural sense. How it changes the whole face. Huh. The whole face of the earth. Wind erosion. How it 
slowly has a way of changing scenery. All of these winds that are blowing, they have one intention. It wants to change the face of what the apostolic church has been. You know what? Just stop. Stop right there. Just, just an organ. Thank you. You that are up there is fine. Let's just sit right here. You're not in trouble. It's just You're fine. Just the keyboard or organ. It wants to change the face of what being apostolic is. The shifting. You know why there's so much shifting? It's the wind. So much shifting in Pentecost because we are susceptible to all of the winds. I thought I was going to have me a fit on the plane because I started reading down. And as I read down a little further, I found some things I want to share with you in the closing moments of this service. Wild wind is dangerous and will change the face of the earth. The article said that there are three things that you can do to prevent, to withstand the winds that come attacking the foundation. This was not a spiritual article. This was not a Christian magazine. I thought I was going to lose it. The number one, there was three things. Number one, the first one, you can cut wind erosion by 50%. Somebody say 50%. 50%. Are you ready? Here we go. You ready? By building barriers on the perimeters of your properties. 50%. And the emerging church says, let's tear down the walls. The only way we're going to keep the wind from eroding the foundation of what is so we can't tear down the walls on our perimeters we can't look at the walls and say you know what that's an old wall and yeah, it's ugly and it's not very attractive and there's a reason somebody put that wall there I never shook the hands of one of those men that sat there in that meeting and came to the conclusion that as a movement that we were going to take a stand against television. I don't know one of them. I don't know their names. I never met them. But there's a lot of people looking at that old wall saying, that's an ugly old wall. That's not, that's not relative anymore. Let's tear that wall down. I'm going to tell you there's a reason they put that wall there. And the Bible says the foundations of heaven were laid by the apostles and the prophets. I never, I, I've never shaken Peter's hand yet. Yet, yet. I hadn't greeted Paul yet. But when I leave this building and I roll out there to that stoplight on the way to the Buxtons, I don't know the dude that put that stoplight up. 
But I know there's a reason he put that stop line up. And when I make a left on green, I don't know the cats who laid those white lines on either side of that lane I'm driving down the middle of. I don't know. I don't know their background. I don't want that. But they laid the lines there. And I may not know them. And I may not understand everything about them. But I know that there's a reason those lines are there. And I'm going to make sure I keep my vehicle between the lines that were laid. Tear the wall down. There's a reason that wall's there. 50%. Cut it another 25%. This is the article. This is not me adding my words. Sticking to proven established paths. There's some roads that's been laid in this world of Pentecost. And how arrogant are these punks that think that they can get in their spiritual SUVs and they're going to plow out another way to get there. Stick to established paths. Proven paths. Said if you, if you want to keep, if you want to keep the wind from eroding your foundation, you keep walls on your perimeters and you stay on the path. If the road goes around the field, stay on the road. There's a reason that the man that owned that field the first time put that road around the edge of that field. Stay on the road that he built. Quit trying to make roads of your own up through the middle so you can get across the field faster. And so some of those roads that they some of those roads that they have built is we they built roads that, well in order to reach the world we got to have some kind of appeal and so it's it's laser lights and smoke machines my God it blow your mind if I could tell you the things that I've seen that our churches are trying to do to make themselves appealing to the world let me tell you something the Bible says that Jesus was not comely he was not pretty to look upon but folks were attracted to him. Why? Because he had power over unclean spirits and he had power to raise the dead and he had power to heal the sick. Help me, Holy Ghost. Can I remind you that we are the body of Christ in this earth and we need to quit spending so much of our time trying to be appealing to the world and be apostolic. And if we'll be apostolic, they'll come to the power. They'll come to the power. They'll come to the power. established paths quit trying to cut corners I've went to their meetings and God so helped me God stand up in the fear of God and behind this holy desk I'm telling you the truth I've had them tell me before I ever preached now we don't want to be offensive tonight 
What are you saying, brother? Well, you know, we let's just let's just let's keep it happy and clappy. Go ahead. You're trying to cut corners. You're trying to make another road across that field. Well, I'm gonna tell you, the only road that's gonna work is hardcore conviction. Where the long-haired hippie and the drug addict and the prostitute and the lawyer, it's, it still is going to work the same. Just like it worked for my mom and daddy, just like it worked for your grandma and daddy. The Spirit of God has got to convict their heart. And they've got to get up off of a pew and walk down an aisle. My God. Are there any young people that love this message I'm preaching right now? Are there any young people that want to make sure that in your day you prevent the mighty from falling? Oh God help me. I feel like I feel like I'm slaughtering this tonight. Stick to the established path. There's still something to just having good old-fashioned Holy Ghost Church. Let's cut across the field. Let's cut corners. So let's get a little bar stool. Put on a pair of jeans with pointy-toed shoes. Sit underneath a little light and give a lecture. They're trying to cut corners. They're trying to cross the field in roads made by their own hands. And in doing it, all they're doing is making the apostolic territory more vulnerable and susceptible to spiritual erosion. I can promise you this gospel doesn't need any help. It can stand on its own. Twenty-five percent. Play, sis. Give them hope. I'm done. The last one said by another ten percent. Now, if you'll do the figure, that's seventy-five. You add another ten, by the third one, eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. The last one by ten percent. You can cut wind erosion by leaving. Ancient landmarks. That's not my wording. I got the article. That's the agricultural article. That's their wording. It wasn't a spiritual Christian. It wasn't Charisma magazine. It wasn't Chicken Soup for the Soul. It was an old farmer's magazine. It said, when you go in, to a place and you start pulling up things
Let's hold the tongues just a second. I think the Lord's wanting to speak to us. Sir, hold that tongue. The Lord's wanting to speak to us. Let's raise our hands. Thank the Lord for what we're feeling here right now. Come on, raise your hands. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. The article goes down on and says, You think your, your field will look better pulling that 150, 200-year-old oak out of it. I've often wondered, now I have understanding, driving and driving, and you, you'll remember, you, you've seen this stuff. You go by and there's, it'd be the most beautiful field, and then it doesn't make any sense because right out in the middle of that field, there'll be a, the most big, beautiful tree you've ever seen. Oh, it, it might it might have made it look better as far as pastor's concerned. Somebody had some wisdom understanding that thing was here before I was. Leave it alone. Let me tell you something. Acts 2.38 doesn't need doctored up. The formula of water baptism preached by Simon Peter doesn't need help. It alone. It's been here longer than I've been here. I'm not touching it. I ain't touching it. The article said, sir, you're better, you're better off just to leave the 200 year old oak. And it's got roots and it's sore to the eye appeal. Leave it alone. You start pulling up stuff that's been here longer than you have. 